The following broadcast has been approved for Elite Hornets fans. What a block by Cody Zeller. Walker down the lane, drive, shoots, scores! Game over! Bringing back the buzz was only the beginning. We will not go quietly into the night. It's Hornets talk for the hardcore fan. It's Hive Talk Live. Welcome in, Hornets fans. You are listening to Hive Talk Live on AtTheHive.com. It's Hornets Talk for the hardcore fan. We are live in the Gittimer.com studios in beautiful uptown Charlotte. I'm Doug Branson. And I'm David Walker. I'm finally coming up for air. I've been buried under NFL, Super Bowl, sports radio talk for the last two days, Doug. So let's talk some NBA. Yeah, I think it's a relief. I think it's a relief to Panthers fans to see the Hornets come out and beat the Bulls. I know the Bulls were hurt. I think that really solved everything. I think, that. I think everyone's fine now. <laughs> everyone's everyone's totally cool. I think everyone's fine now. All I the know, tears are wiped away. <laughs> everything's fine. We can all cheer for the teal and purple now. No. Uh, you can – it hurt. It hurt. Hey. I mean, I'm a Panther fan, and, and it hurts. Great season, though. Great season, and um, there's uh, you know reasons to be optimistic. Yeah, which brings us to our question of the night: Should Cam have fallen on that fumble? <laughs> no, the sports radio has been wild. But I thought I've listened to a little of the sports radio, and I think the conversation amongst the media here has been surprisingly measured when compared to I think national so. media. Yeah, because they they've been more understanding than I than I would have anticipated. Not because. I think anything of the, the the people who are part of the local sports radio media, but just because of how the national media immediately reacted. Yeah, I think a lot of that has to do with people watching this team and Cam, and when you start to question toughness and things like that, it's harder to do when you've watched them from day one. Right. So, boom. There you go. There's your Panther <laughs> talk. You can listen to us live every Tuesday at 6 o'clock p.m. and Thursday at 6 p.m. right here on HiveTalkLive.com. Make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast aggregator to get shows uploaded to your mobile device of choice. And, um, David, you can also uh, view us on television every, every once in a while. We were on Fox 46, Good Day Charlotte, a little local TV action for Hive Talk Live, and we will be back on uh, this Sunday, Sunday as well, eight thirty. So uh, record the if you're local here, uh, get on uh, your DVR Fox forty six. Good day, Charlotte, eight thirty a.m. on Sunday, and record us or watch us live. And and we'll be talking some uh, Hornets. We'll probably talk a little All Star game, I imagine, and maybe do a little recap. Maybe of Maybe some All Star Saturday Night recap. Yeah, who knows? Um, That'd be fun. That'd be fun. I'm gonna up my coffee intake this time around. But I think we were, you know. I thought we were good. Under the bright lights? Yeah. I mean, TV is not... The thing is, like, TV is short. Listen, not everyone has TV in their blood. We can't, like, ramble like we do, you know, here. (laughs) This was was two TV segments we just did. Right, exactly. (laughs) They've already hauled us out of the building, and we're still talking. That's it. Yeah, exactly. All right, and with that, we say, let's swarm Charlotte. All right, David, we have to talk about this kind of breaking news it really hit a couple of hours ago jimmy butler out three to four weeks a guard for the chicago bulls out three to four weeks with a strained knee he was an all-star reserve pick and so it went to adam silver commissioner of the nba to select his replacement mm-hmm. and for about 15 minutes there we was, got really excited there that it was could a have buzz been, there uh, was a buzz it could have been kimba walker but it was not to be instead adam silver selecting Bulls forward Pal Gasol. Your thoughts, David. You're the all-star expert. Your thoughts on this decision? Well, initially, let's walk our let's let's walk the listeners through our way of thinking. We okay. were we were thinking it's either got to be Reggie Jackson or Kimba Walker, uh, two guards to replace a guard. Then that we, makes sense. That makes sense, right? That that's logical. But guard goes, you replace it with a guard. As we now know, uh, and as we found out before, like last year, Boogie Cousins replaced Kobe. Now, this gets confusing. Kobe has always been a guard. This year, he's a forward. But last year, he was a guard. <laughs> so so it, it doesn't positions don't matter, basically. So once you figured that in, I didn't feel great about Kimba getting the nod because you, you bring in Gasol and you bring in, like, Kevin Love, basically. I think our buddy Adi Joseph, friend of the show, put those four guys out there, Kimba, Reggie Jackson, Gasol, and Love. And when you look at those four names – 
anytime you're in that company with a teams that are winning and b the Hornets are winning. The Hornets have played great bigger over the past names. couple of games. Yeah, not in the playoff race. You know what I mean. And I'm not. This is. I'm just telling you. The, no, this is good. This I like way this. of thinking. Devil's advocate. They're going to reward winning. Now look, the Bulls are on a skid. There's no other way to put it. They're not playing well right now. They're a game and a half ahead of Charlotte. They've, They've just got key lost players to Charlotte. Injured. But the thinking probably goes. The Bulls still deserve to have a player there, but Jimmy wasn't. Jimmy was selected as a reserve, right? right? It was not selected by the fans, so I don't understand that argument that the Bulls deserve like a bull for a bull. I that mean, smells I, like bull. To it me. still, <laughs> it still comes down to <laughs> reward, snicker at me, re- rewarding, winning, and that's always going to be a thing. And how about? But here's the thing: how about rewarding? bright young talent i, I think I mean, that should you. be the goal I don't think of the Powell, nba all-star game is to showcase the best and brightest of your future young talent while rewarding i'm with you i just it didn't it didn't look good when you threw those four three guys in there with him plus you have the whole international angle i'm not saying that didn't play a part either um so I just don't. It was going to be tough. I don't it's understand always... Powell specific. I mean, I know he's averaging a double double, like seventeen and ten, and he, he's uh, probably shot the ball better from beyond the arc this season than he has in mm-hmm. a long time. But I just think when you talk about players that are making the most impact on their team and are statistically comparable, I feel like you could go Kemba or. Reggie Jackson easy. I don't even like Kevin Love in this conversation because I think he's negatively impacted his team. Right. No, I think that's more of a name, but they're also the first place. So I threw out Kyrie, which was probably not going to happen either. I would have thrown up in Yeah, he just hadn't played enough. But, um, I mean, I think that's what it came down to. They're going to put a bull on there. He's winning. Um, they could have put a piston on there too, which is, you know – I'm sure Reggie Jackson and Pistons fans may have just as much as an argument as as uh, Kemba and and Charlotte fans here, because the Pistons are right there too. They're all jumbled up. I, I'm just you know, anytime that happens, it's gonna be it's gonna take overcoming something for a guy like Kemba to to jump someone that's you know essentially more well known and and, and on a, a a nationally more well known branded teams i mean that's that's all it came down to i think uh, no one's saying certainly no one's saying the the all-star game is going to be more entertaining with Pau gasol than it would have been with kimba walker kimba walker is your is your all-star player i mean that's the type of player you want in an all-star game to make it fun and exciting so drop, obviously drop 30 on the bulls last night yeah obviously that's not a consideration because you know you're taking a guard out and you're putting another big guy in but it is what it is. So maybe you build up enough goodwill and um, and chatter that uh, next year in Charlotte, you may get the nod. And you may not need it, but we'll oh, I see. think he, he certainly made his case this season. I mean, look. And I thought he made enough. And, and, <laughs> Doug, and, well, the, the coaches. But also, I think, goes the to coach the coach is Tyron Lue. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it doesn't sometimes things don't make sense it's a it was it's definitely it's a wacky situation all right let's talk about this game bulls at hornets last night no butler or rose for the bulls butler again missing that all-star game with the strained knee kimba uh, a couple of things to note from this game kimba passed glenn rice for fourth all-time on the hornets scoring list uh, probably need to reevaluate our all-time point guard selections i think it, because i said it during that time i said you know I would love to put Kemba here, but he hasn't had the year. I'm ready to call I mean, it. I mean, this is the it. year. We're in it, right? We were waiting for him to make the jump. He's yeah. jumped from 17 to 20 points a game. His efficiency has gone up. His his uh, field goal percentage has gone up. His three-point percentage has gone up. Yeah, I mean, this is what we were looking for. He's got the marquee names, or the games, I'm sorry. He's got the winning shots, so this is the next thing he needed to do. I, I'm with you. Gerald Wallace, number two on that list. Would, would you have guessed that off the top of your head? I, I would just because of the length of time he played here and he had the all-star season and, and he generally w- was a more scoring-focused yeah. guard. So not, I, not, a, not, a, not a straight score, but I think the length of time he was here in regards to other people that like Mashburn. Because the list goes, the list goes Jones, Curry, uh, Wallace, Wallace. The two longest-tenured guys, basically. And then LJ. In some order. Right, Kimba, LJ yeah. was th- three, yeah. and then Kemba's four, and now Glenn is is five. 
So that all makes sense. So yeah, Kimba Walker, 8 of 19 from the field, 4 of 9 from beyond the arc. He also hit 10 free throws for 30 points. And the starters, the story of this game really is that the starters played well. The bench did not play as well. And and it's a continuing story, the, the bench not really playing to the level that they played earlier this season. We'll talk a little bit more about that in depth in our Inside the Locker Room segment coming up. Uh, but one bench guy that really is not responsible for that uh, poor bench play is P.J. Hairston, and that's because he didn't get a single minute in this game. What do you think, DNP for P.J. Hairston? That's the first, he was a starter. I know. It's the, this is the first kind of eyebrow-raising one of these we've had. I think we had a lot of these last year where you had guys that were in and out of the lineup, didn't play. Um, but now you're getting guys healthy, you're getting guys back, so you may see some more of this, but it, it was a little surprising. I mean, for a guy that's been so important to this team, yeah, injuries were involved, but yeah, he's a starter for the whole year, basically. So, um, I think we all talked about PJ Harrison serving a very specific role within true. a team that had a lot of circumstantial issues going on with, with guys being out. And when you add Michael Kidd Gilchrist and his defense back to this rotation, Marvin playing a lot better. Lamb getting healthy. Can I make a bold statement? Please. I don't think this is going to be the first Hornet starter to fall out, or the only, I should say. I don't think it's going to be the only Hornet starter to fall out of the rotation by season's end. I think there could be some more rotation surprises as the Hornets get fully healthy and tough decisions have to be made about who starts, and I really mean the big rotation. Mm-hmm. I see where you're going. Keep going. Well, so we had a question uh, sent to us on, on Twitter, and you can tweet us your questions at Hive Talk Live. And, and it essentially the question, I'm trying to pull it up here to see who sent us it that was, question. Um... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, I, I mm-hmm. can't find it immediately. I got it. I... So, can you find it? I can't. Was this? Uh, it was the T-T- Al Jefferson question. Yes. T twenty two and then four. <laughs> yes. Thanks, buddy. Will you talk about the potential rotation when Al comes back after the All Star game? Feels like the team is different now. I think the team is different now, but I think there's a place in this rotation for Al Jefferson and what he can do if. He is A, healthy, and B, he has that time to get into shape. And with how well Spencer Hawes is playing, I wouldn't be surprised if Zeller started to really move down. Just because I, I, I think – and he, he hit a three last night. That was a big surprise. MKG and Cody Zeller both hitting threes against the Bulls. But if Spencer Hawes continues to play very well, he can space the floor. Cody really can't. And yeah. I think it's going to be a tough choice. I don't see, again, I don't see Al Jefferson playing, you know, 27, 30 minutes. Starting the. Or maybe coming off the bench and you start Hawes. Well, I that's don't the know. thing that I'll be interested to see because we've talked about this looking past this season. Nothing is settled, obviously, with him being here past the end of this year. But we've said if he's going to be here after this year, it's going to likely have to be in a role, a much dimin- a lessened role, perhaps coming off the bench, and he's going to have to be okay with that. Now, I don't know if they they would give that a test run now, um, but we'll see. My, my my off the top of my head guess is he'll be start. I mean, he would start at some point, may may not right away. Jefferson, but yeah, I mean, just because. I don't know. I mean, just because that's who he is. Because he's the starting he's, center on this team. Well, look, he he's a big body. Yeah. He, he gives you a rebounding advantage that I don't think Zeller gives you. He gives you the inside presence that we've talked about that helps create the space for the other guys. I mean, that's kind of the way this team was constructed, right? And I think if that pushes Zeller back to the second unit and you have a decision between Cody Zeller and Spencer Hawes at the level that Spencer is playing right now. And he, he was five of nine from the field last night, did hit a three pointer, eight rebounds, uh, 13 points total. I think he's playing really well right now. And he's playing well in a, in a second unit that's not. I can see a situation where Cody 
and, and this is not out of the out of the norm. I mean, these rotation changes happen across the NBA, and, and we know that Clifford wants to get this down to a a, a nine eight man rotation. Well, look, it just wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, because because you know and Kimba. Hawes gives you a, I think Hawes gives you a little bit of a, a size advantage in terms of just muscle. Kimba, than, Batum, than MKG. And you're not. I mean, you can't. You can't. It's crazy. We haven't even mentioned Marvin, but you can't really sit Marvin. No. I mean, you know, for all he's done for this team this year, and you guys did a great job on the Saturday sit down, highlighting. Yeah, listen to that. Highlighting, you know, how well he's played, and I think MKG coming back is only going to help him more because they asked Marvin to do a lot uh, at the start of the season, rebounding especially, playing defense especially, that he may not necessarily have to do as much of now that MKG's back, which can open him up to. You know, score twenty seven points. Not that he's going to do that every night, but maybe have some fresher legs when he's not trying to bang so hard. MKG changed everything. Yeah, his return caused this conversation that we're having right now. Because if there's no MKG, then Zeller, in my mind, makes complete sense because he gives you a defensive advantage over both Hawes and Al Jefferson. Right. So he has a place within that big rotation. And you know. Frank Kaminsky, who we talked about last week, hitting he's the vulnerable. wall. I think he's vulnerable as well. Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. We hadn't even mentioned him yet. But that's, you know, for him, you're okay. I mean, that, that's not the end of the world. I mean, of course, for him, he doesn't want to see reduced minutes. But he's a rookie. Um, and like we said last week, he's maybe hitting a little bit of a wall. But uh, look, I think you take this bat, you, th- you take this problem <laughs> and consider it a good one to have. You're getting everybody healthy. That's what this team needs. Look back at the beginning of the season when they were winning. You had guys. You had basically a full roster except for MKG. Yeah, no, it's a I, no. I totally agree. I think it's a great problem to have. So, so any, I don't think we, I don't know if we answered uh, twenty two NN 4s question. Thanks for sending that in. But well, maybe we did. I mean, I think it's going to be a reduced role. I think he'll he'll start or they'll at least give it a look to start at the beginning and kind of see how it goes. Well, it'll be similar to what we've seen with Golden State and and Bogut mm-hmm. and, and other situations where you have a big that can play a very specific role game to game. And sometimes you you might see him for – and was similar to how he was used early in the season where, where he got on a roll against Dallas, and that made sense because they didn't have bigs that could guard him. So he played a lot of minutes and, and, and scored a lot of points. And there are going to be other nights where that's not the case. And luckily for the Hornets – they're getting healthy. They have options right. in, in Zeller, in Kaminsky, and in Hawes. But what you don't want to do ultimately is continue to mix up the player groups late and heading into the playoffs. So I think that if I had to choose between Al Jefferson, what Al Jefferson can give you and what Cody can give you when I know what I have behind them in Hawes and Frank, I feel like... Zeller doesn't mix quite as well. And remember, MKG and Al haven't played together at all this year, right? Correct. So, so we don't we don't have. So they're going to want to get a look at everyone as a whole unit healthy. It's certainly it's certainly something that's going to continue to be a fluid situation. No, I don't think I don't think they have the answers. They really don't know, and they're going to have to take a look at. What ha- and they've been taking a look, I'm sure, what's happening in practice and how guys are, are playing together, and, and you just have to get them out in a game situation. But, yep. you know, Cody Zeller only played 19 minutes last night. He got into a little foul trouble and, and I think uh, struggled a little bit uh, with, with Powell. But it was a good game for the Hornets. Again, they get the victory 108-91. Again, the Bulls coming to Charlotte and getting thwacked. We've seen that before earlier in the year. I think that was the first victory for the Hornets was mm-hmm. the blowout, the fourth game of the season against Chicago. And we were shocked by the offense that they displayed then. Now it has become a regular occurrence. So, 38 points in the first quarter. And how about MKG? Extremely aggressive mm-hmm. on the offensive end and doing things that we're not – used to seeing and besides the three-pointer that he hit the mid-range right the mid-range game the backing them down turnaround jumper I mean there's again there's just a level of confidence in a shot that looks irregular but he's confident in it he knows how to control it he knows how to shoot that shot (sighs) and it's it's very nice to see and Batum got in the back down game as well 
7 of 14 for MKG from the floor, 1 of 2 from 3, 5 of 6 from the free throw line. I mean, that's all you need to know. That goes to your point right there. The confidence is there. Um, we touched a little bit on the uh, on the road woes on the uh, on the on the TV broadcast on Sunday. So it'll be nice to see if he can translate that, and the team as a whole obviously translates some good play on the road. But playing at home is certainly, I think, kick started his his return. So it's been good to see. Yeah, last game before the All Star break for the Hornets will be at the uh, Indiana Pacers, and we'll have a full preview of that game coming up in just a bit. But yeah, I think that's an important. I don't think it's a, a an extremely important game for the Hornets. You know, if they lose, if they get blown out, I guess that would be serious. But I don't take it as some barometer of where they are, are as a franchise because I think they've been playing well, and I think a lot of guys are fatigued, and I think a lot of guys may not be injured enough to sit, but are playing through some stuff. Everybody's banged up, and that's how it is in the NBA. I mean, you really you play through what you can play through up to the all-star break and then everybody gets a chance to chill and, and come back rejuvenated. And it's funny you look at that MKG though fresh as a daisy right now, am I right? So I mean, he's going to be able to maybe push through or well, something. That, that's and, the thing. I mean, if you He looks he he always plays like that, you know what I'm saying, but like he hasn't played a full season. Everybody else has. Well, it it really you go back to that period when the Hornets were probably at their most injured. And and Kimba Walker and Jeremy Lin were putting the team on their backs offensively and digging out wins that they had no business winning. And you think, oh, okay, they survived. Again, we talked about how they survived January. And that's huge because now they're getting guys back. Not only does it give them an energy advantage over every other team in March and April, but I think it also gives them a scouting advantage. Because just like they're trying to figure out in practice how these guys play together, there are going to be teams that the Hornets have already played and some teams that the Hornets haven't played that really have no idea what to do with MKG. Yeah. Have no idea how MKG, how to attack a, a rotation that includes MKG and Al Jefferson. So I think you combine that with the fact that they play more than half of their opponents in March and April under 500, including five games combined against the 76ers and the Brooklyn Nets, if they and I think they have two games against the Bucks who they haven't played well against, but if they can figure out that puzzle, David, they, I mean, th- there are some serious run potentials in March and April, and you've got teams like Chicago yep. fading back. Yep. It's, Plenty it, of opportunity. Getting healthy right now is is perfect for them. Take this little all-star break and and, and make a hard charge for it. Interesting note I see here. Do you know the who the uh, – uh, Almost, almost did it. Almost did it. Hornets. Oh, God, no, listen, we already put the jar away. I think we donated the jar. Uh, individual leader blocks per game. Take a guess. Individual leader blocks per game for the Hornets overall. Zoe, I guess. No, no, no. This season. Sorry, oh, this season. <laughs> I, was, I thought I heard that stat uh, against Miami. Um, this season, block Marvin, right? According to NBA.com, it's Al Jefferson. Well, he's that's a little smaller sample size for the big man. I think one that, per game. That's no, fine. I think I think yeah. Marvin's been the best rim protector this season, though. It, well, it just I mean, we don't. There isn't much of one. Right. I mean, no, I, and it's been a team effort. I think Marvin. When you combine the fact that Marvin has done more to rim protect than you would have expected, yeah, and, and Kimba being able to protect the rim and Lynn too. I've seen Lynn block several shots. Well, that's shots something we highlighted. I mean, he was one of the, he was statistically um one of the better rim protectors on the Lakers last year. So yeah, that, that's a that's another good feather in the cap for the Hornets, but you know, I think you just got to be excited getting everybody back and now maybe post All-Star break is the first time we'll see him right after the All-Star break is maybe when we're trending towards Yeah, I thought you definitely won't see him against no. The Pacers. I think you you give him all the time to get back into game shape. That way, there's no hopefully there's no working him into the rotation. There's more. We know exactly what we want to do with him, and and then you go and execute a game plan. And I still think it's, there's going to be some situational, uh, situational substitutes and situational lineups. I mean, that's what that's one advantage this team had when we looked at it at the beginning of the year was the options that they have. So 
you know, they've been playing a certain way, but I think Clifford and the guys were going into the season saying, Hey, look at all these options we can, you know, look at all these different lineups we can put out there and options we can do depending on who we're playing. Well, they're tough decisions because I'm sitting here, we're, we're talking about what do you do? You've got Cody Zeller, you've got Frank Kaminsky, who's who's played well in stretch, and who's gotten got good Spencer min- Hawes. who's gotten like good minutes. I and mean, they all do different things, like Spencer Hawes. It has shown a brilliance in passing, and he opens up the offense in ways that Cody Zeller can't. But Cody Zeller runs the floor extremely well. Yeah. And as one of our smart Twitter followers points out, Mr. Front Page saying he sees this situation more likely that Hawes goes to the third spot in the center rotation because he thinks Clifford would want to stay with Cody and Batum. And and mm. I think he's referencing the fact that Cody and Batum have a nice two-man game, but also they run the floor extremely well. We've seen a couple of oops go up to Cody Zeller and and you know him going Godzeller on the rim, and we've been excited about that. So it's, it's going to be a tough decision, and there's certainly going to be an odd man left out, and, and I don't envy Steve Clifford in that situation. No, I think it's good that this team seems to have very good chemistry, um, and they seem to be happy for you know whoever, whomever, whoever is out there. And, and Cody like, hit that three. Oh <laughs> man! And maybe he feels the urgency. And again, look, you may not have have gotten this experience for Frank had you not had all these injuries. I mean, it's likely that you wouldn't. So it's been good, and they know that they can put him in there, and you know he's performed well. So. Well, the hilarious thing, the hilarious thing too, is that if the Hornets make this run towards the playoffs, and I think that's certainly more than a reality, they sit at five hundred now. They could get above five hundred before the break, and they have so many opportunities in March and April. If they do make that playoff run, you could see rotation changes again because that's what teams do when yep. they have a variety of options. You, you you can get a little sneak attack action going on in the playoffs by throwing them a different look. And I, I think that the Hornets added enough different weapons. That's the key. And we've been talking about that with Hawes and Kaminsky and Zeller and Al Jefferson. They're all different in, in what they can give you and how they hurt you. Yeah. All right. It'll be interesting to watch. But yeah, it was a, a, a another great win for the Hornets. They they went three and one on an important home stand. We weren't sure about that home stand, David. Three Look, and one, beat three the and Cavaliers. One. And let's you know you don't want to play the shoulda woulda coulda game, but uh, it should have been four and none. Well, <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. They went two was, and two on a tough road trip. Three and one on a uh, probably even tougher home stand. Even yeah. though they've been playing a lot better at home than they have on the road, so I think they're setting themselves up well. And again, we'll preview this Indiana game, and I think the this Pacer game is probably one of the more interesting matchups that the Hornets will have. They haven't seen the Pacers. The Pacers haven't seen the Hornets this season, so that could be a really fun game. Tips off at seven o'clock tomorrow night. But first, we have to get to inside the locker room. Unfortunately, Justin won't. Justin Thomas from ESPN seven thirty won't be able to join us this evening, but he has provided us uh, with some juicy sound bites from last night's game. After the game, Clifford in his press conference talking about it was a good win, but there were some negatives. We've already mentioned it. The bench didn't come out with great energy, and we've seen that over the past couple of games. Uh, Here's Clifford talking about that. When the ball is moving quickly, okay, and we pass the ball when we should pass it, and the ball doesn't stick, and then we get multiple pick and rolls, dribble handoffs, we're very difficult to guard. When we lack the energy to do that, then, you know, it's not hard. And that's exactly what happened tonight. We had stretches again when we broke the lineup. The energy level is not there these last couple of games. You can't play offense that way against big – you know, they're big and they switch a lot. You're not going to be able to do anything against switching without the right energy level. The Pacers also a big team and they switch a lot, so I'm sure he's looking ahead to that game. Let's go to a clip uh, from Jeremy Lin after the game, uh, basically taking responsibility. And I, and I think it's uh, uh, big of him to do that. Here's, here's Jeremy Lin. Uh, it just starts with me, to be honest. Um, I control the second team. I'm the leader of that, and so I got to do a better job. I played terrible the last three games, so there's no, really no other way around it. When I bring more energy, I guarantee the second team's going to play better. Okay, so the buzzword is energy, David. What are they, what are they talking about when you when you see these games? What are you seeing energy-wise from this second unit? That, you know, I mean, you look across the you look across this game, and you you go back to 
uh, the past couple of games, and we see a lot of one and fives, one and sevens from the field. What's going on with this bench unit that was a strength for the Hornets early this season? Yeah, you know, we may be looking at a bit of that whole unit hitting a wall. I mean, Jeremy Lin is is a, is a veteran, and he's played a lot. Lamb, this is really his first action, uh, consistent action on a, on in a rotation for an NBA team. Uh, certainly, again, Kaminsky. Um, I don't know if that's what it is. I don't know if there's anything they can directly point to and say, hey, we're just in a little slump here. But, you know, maybe that's something uh, that just the grind of the season is getting to this group, moving up and down in the rotation. So it's difficult to get a uh, to yeah. get a flow. You know, I mean, the injuries affect everyone and affect everyone differently. And when you're moving in and out of lineup, starting and then coming off the bench, uh, that can affect some people. I think you're totally right there. I think that would be my number one culprit for this is that they've played a variety of different kind of minutes mm-hmm. and, and and they've played with different guys and Lynn is, has been playing on a, on a weird ankle for seemingly weeks. Uh, someone tweeted us his uh, latest blog article and he posted a picture of his ankle and it, it didn't look... Did it look like Thomas Davis's arm? Not it didn't that, look not that, that bad. bad. <laughs> no, he was getting. Uh, Lynn was looked like he was getting acupuncture on it, and and it looked pretty swollen. And again, we talk about that. The guys uh, don't necessarily; they're not hurt enough to sit, but it, it's certainly an issue. And I, I think when when they talk about energy, I, I think it's more about. I think it takes a lot of energy to get into multiple pick and rolls. And, and, and to move around on offense off the ball, and that's what you're not seeing in the half court because these guys are getting up and down the floor. Uh, at, uh, credit to Clifford, he's he's playing Batum a lot to try to infuse some of Batum's energy and offense into this second unit, and they're doing that by getting up and down the floor. You saw it against the Bulls. I mean, they were running the Bulls up and down the floor on that second unit, and that's really the only way that the bench could score was by getting up and down the floor but they're not getting to the basket as much. I looked at the past six games versus how Bench Force won, and when I say that, I mean Lynn Lamb, Hawes, and Kaminsky. When those four guys play together, uh, normally they've been good at the rim. They've they've been able to uh, both get shots at the rim and make shots at the rim, but those numbers are significantly down over the past six games, and I think that's... That's energy. I mean, we see Lamb toss up a lot of questionable shots because it's it's easier not to dribble. It's easier not to penetrate. Mm-hmm. It's easier to, to shoot a contested three. It's not a good shot, but right. it's easier to do. And I think we've seen that with both Lynn and, and Lamb. Yeah, and Lynn, you know, it's hard to argue. He's had some of his best games when he started. I mean, his top five scoring outputs were all – starting assignments um and that's Mm -hmm. kind of been something that you know i know lynn fans especially but also hornets fans have been looking at throughout the season uh he's had success when he when he has not started and he's also started and had some not so great games i think he's experienced enough to know how to you know regulate himself where some of the younger guys may not be i mean you heard it in his comments he knows what he needs to do to bring a little more energy so I wouldn't be as worried about Lynn. Not not that I think we're worried about any of them, but you know, just trying to figure out some of these things that are not not clicking right now for him. Well, certainly the All Star break's going going to help. I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, really. I mean, like you said, people are playing with with nicks and bangs right now, and it's 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 tougher to grind it out. So I say we, you know, I think you wait till after that All Star break, and maybe they get some of that 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 bench effectiveness back. Yeah, I mean, you look at the the individuals. I don't think I think Frank may be hitting sort of a rookie wall. Sure, Hawes is playing well all of a sudden. So when you, but it doesn't seem like they're all on the on the same page about the, what they want to do offensively. And you look to last night, Frank wasn't getting much action inside. A lot of shots were going up early in the shot clock because it, I think it just takes more energy to get to that second level of pick and roll as opposed to. You know, we're just going to do one pick and roll and then go and attack Hassan Whiteside at the rim. We saw a lot of that against the Heat. Yeah. That didn't work. But um, when they, which seems weird, I think that running up and down the floor, getting easy buckets, to me, that probably doesn't take as much energy as 
you know, taking the contact on a, on a pick and roll and, and moving off ball and changing speeds, you know, settling down, changing speeds, settling down, changing mm-hmm. speeds. I think that can take more out of a player and, and it requires it. Uh, I think getting in a transition is more instinctual, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It's more like, all right, I'm, I'm going to go one speed down the floor, make a basket. Then I can catch my breath as, as the other team prepares to get into their offense. Whereas when you're in the half court, this is making sense. You play pickup ball. I just feel like that takes more. Like I've got to force myself now to get to the other side of the right of the right. hoop. Yeah, easy baskets, being energetic that breeds more energy. Certainly, I mean, I think there's something to that. But again, I think you know er, there could be a slump for an entire unit. There can be slumps for for guys that are moving. There wasn't much down, ball so. movement in that. the The Bulls game was more about guys knocking down shots. Spencer Hawes. And uh, Batum, Marvin, Kemba—they were all knocking down shots without necessarily. And it worked. Moving I mean, the ball. We've seen that where it doesn't work out if they, if they don't make shots. But we've seen that a couple of different times this season where they fall in love with the jump shot, and that's been a big part of the difference in what they're doing this year. So that's the downside to that. So if you're not hitting, you got to keep moving the ball a little more. And you know, it's it's easy to say and do that, but with the with the um, with the uh, amount of shots they put up from the outside per game, um, that that's not going to change, I don't think. All right, let's move on to Hornets at Pacers, the last game before the All-Star break. Chance for the Hornets to go over five hundred for the first time since January 2nd. Uh, that seems like a long time ago, and that was in the middle of the Hornets' uh, big skid, mm. and, and w- which took them several games under five hundred, and they've been trying to recover ever since. Let's talk about the Pacers. They're they're changing up their initial plan. Uh, their initial plan this season was to go extremely small. Vogel wanted to mirror a little bit of what made the Warriors successful late in games with their small ball lineup of death. They wanted to play Paul George at the four, even though Paul George didn't want to play the four. They really haven't played Paul George at the four as much as people thought they would but they still were smaller. Now it looks like they're going back to a traditional two-big lineup with uh, uh, Ian Me- Mahinmi mm-hmm. and Miles Turner, the rookie. Yeah, your boy. I liked him. I know. But I was scared. The this gate. is why I'm not it a gate. It was gate-gate, right? What's that? There's yeah, gate. <laughs> there's a big. There's a big question. Big question about coming out of the draft gate, about the way how he yeah, walked, I made a big, how he ran. Yeah, I made a big deal about how he walked and, uh, and that his gait wasn't the way he had his feet set uh, didn't didn't sit right with a lot of scouts, and it's an indicator of will this guy have leg, knee, foot issues down the line? You know, we still don't know if that's going to be the case or not with Miles Turner, but so far. He has been extremely impressive. He has a 19 PER right now, which is great for the number of minutes he's played. Uh, he's uh, averaging, uh, I believe, around 15 and 8 over his past uh, six or seven games. And he's really developed into a nice piece for the Pacers because he's a mobile big. He shoots, but he picks his spots when he shoots. And as I said, he's a very uh, opportunistic rebounder. So he's injected a little bit of a, a, a spark for this team. And, you know, they're a team that's in transition trying to figure I – hate, I hate this term, but I'm going to say it – trying to figure out their identity. They're trying to figure out who right. they are. Uh, so we'll, we'll see if that works out. The Pacers won the season series last season 3-1, to one, and there were a couple of heartbreaking losses to the Pacers last Early season. Early in the year. Yeah. To Gerald Henderson. The Gerald yeah. Henderson did Hate to bring it out. up again. I think we've brought – that must be the second or third time we've brought that up this year. I know people have tried to suppress it, it that. It was tough. I was um, I was uptown at a at the Hornets – Where were you? Watch party. <laughs> Where were you? I was at a watch party at uh, – what is the The Wild Wing Cafe. Mm-hmm. And – it was not a fun watch party at the end of the game because uh, Gerald, everyone was pretty jazzed, and they thought, and that was a. I think that was a big moment for the Hornets because uh, it could have gotten them back on track, and it and instead like started the skid that really ended Lance's career in Charlotte. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah okay, yeah, <laughs> not in overall, Charlotte. just yeah, yeah, just in Charlotte. Well. It- 
It would be really nice for the Hornets to get back above 500. That's where they've been trying to get to. Uh, they sweep that homestand we just talked about. They would have gotten there. So um, you always want to end on a good note going into the All-Star break. And they've got a tough challenge ahead of them because the Pacers, you know, they still score about 103 points a game. I'm um, sure Kim. I'm sure Kimba would have liked to play in the All-Star game, but I think after he was snubbed the first time, if it were me, I'm just going to put myself in Kimba's shoes. If it were me and I were snubbed for the first time, I would just say, you know what, I'm, I'm looking forward to the rest. He's already put it out of his mind. I feel yeah. like. I, mean, I don't know him, but I'm just saying, if it were me, I just think once the first snub came down, if somebody were to happen to be injured and then it's like, oh, now you pick me. Okay, well, great. Thanks. I mean, let's be honest. He probably didn't even know about it until it was already decided, right? <laughs> I mean, the news broke. Right. Literally, it was like 15 minutes. It didn't, no. It did Unless not. he was on Twitter. Who knows? It did not take them long. The Hornets are still in ninth place, by the way, in the Eastern Conference, sitting at 26 and 26. Half game now behind the Detroit Pistons, who have lost two. The Bulls have lost three in a row. They are now down to seventh. And then right above them, uh, let's see, two and a nope, three, three games ahead of the Hornets. Uh, there are the Indiana Pacers at twenty-eight and twenty-four. They've won two in a row though, but they've been close. They almost got embarrassed by the Los Angeles Lakers, who are all of a sudden pretending to be a basketball team. A little now. frisky, yeah, they're a little frisky. You you felt like at some point, I think the young guys, the Randall, the Randalls, the the D'Angelo Russells would would overcome. They're coaching. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Every week, Byron Scott says something Gosh. that you you just – you wonder if this is some kind of weird reality show or, or some kind of offbeat uh, showtime comedy because it just doesn't seem real what Byron says. It, it certainly doesn't seem like he – When he says, D'Angelo Russell is too young for me to have a meeting with him about right. his role in the team. Like, What? Yeah, like like uh, you know, it's been a while since any young guys came into the NBA. You know, I think Carl's. I mean, you know, so the big news today was that George Carl is keeping his job after a meeting with Vladi. Mm-hmm. And I think George probably went in there and said, "Look, Vladi, look at Byron. You want to end up with a Byron? You want to end up with that guy? That's the risk you take. When you get rid of me, you just don't know who else is going to come walking through that door. You could get a Byron." I think every coach is using Byron as leverage. Every you don't want a Byron. It's feeling all right. <laughs> Good night. What is going on? Byron feels West? great. I bet Byron every after every game. I think he goes into his office, leans back in his chair, puts his hands behind his head, and goes, "Nailed it!" Like, do you think he's like, "What can I say now? How far can I push this?" Yeah, I no. I or is think, he in on it? Do you think he's at the point of like, I know what we're doing? Uh, you know, I'm I'm here. It's not really supposed to go that well. We, we need to put ourselves in good position. I mean, the book is I I haven't bought a basketball book in a long time. Mm-hmm. I would buy the book on this season. Oh my gosh! Even more than the Kings book. Which book would you buy? The key, the book on the Kings season, or the book on the Lakers? I mean, you season? got Kobe on the Lakers, obviously. Um. I thought the Kings would be a lot more interesting, to be honest with you. You had Rondo, you got Boogie, you got George Carl. There should have been a lot more fireworks, I feel like. And we're, and we're at the All-Star break, and you know, no one's been, I don't know, kicked out or fired. All right, let's bring in our friend um, Nick Denning from At The Hive. Uh, we'll get into the picks in a second. We're still, we're, we kind of got a little off track, Nick. We've been talking about... George Carl, Byron Scott, we're into our kind of all-NBA talk, but I want to get back to this Hornets-Pacers game and talk about key matchups. Uh, Nick, when you look at the Hornets, when you look at the Pacers, is there a particular guy or a particular matchup that you look at uh, on on the Pacers' side uh, that says this could uh, really affect the game in a significant way? Well, I mean, you got to think about it. It starts with Paul George. Uh, I feel a lot feel a lot better about this game now that MKG's back because, you know, we have that guy that can defend him. Um, he's obviously had a, a great year, Paul George, and um, I feel like containing him, you know, it's, it will be tough because this is a home game for the Pacers, but containing him would certainly help um, the Hornets get a, a road win, which obviously they haven't gotten a whole lot of them this year. 
Yeah, MKG and Paul George, that's certainly, I think, the go-to matchup, and it will be fun. I think Paul George is in a little bit of a slump, too, so if MKG can keep him in that slump, it'll go a long way to beating this Pacers team. I'm I'm going to go back to Miles Turner, and I think the key matchup for this game will be Marvin Williams versus Miles Turner because we've seen Marvin Williams get to the rim much more in, in the past seven, eight games than we've seen all season and probably in the last few seasons. And and Miles Turner in, in his past five games has had about four or five fouls per game. So I think Marvin can attack him, get him into foul trouble early. That's going to take away uh, one of the pieces that Indiana has been relying on to, to set their to set the tone for the game. So I think that that could be a significant thing and, and, and get Miles Turner into foul trouble, take away their rebounding advantage, make them play a game they don't want to play. I think that's my key matchup. David? I think you guys are dead on. I think it's got to be – my focus is going to be on MKG and Paul George just yeah. because to have a weapon like uh, MKG back in the lineup against a guy who's – you know, one of the top offensive players in the league is going to be huge. Well, it'd be interesting too to see how MKG, if he's still aggressive against Paul George, who is a better defender, a more lengthy defender. He had the clear advantage last night against the Bulls offensively. He could get really anywhere on the floor that he wanted to get to. So it'll be interesting to see how MKG attacks Paul George offensively. Yeah. And if Paul George decides to step out on MKG at the three point line, you also have to look at George Hill. He's shooting. Near 50% from three in 2016. He's shooting about 47, 48% from beyond the arc. So you really can't let that guy uh, completely kill you because it, that's a sneak attack. I mean, you, you expect Paul George to do big things in the game for the Pacers, but you have to watch George Hill as well. All right, and a guy, like, a guy like C.J. Miles always seems to hit a big shot. A he's their three. heart. He's I one mean, of those guys off the bench that's kind of their heart and soul. Mm-hmm. He can be that Jeremy Lin, Lin type of guy who can come off the bench and give them a huge spark. And if you're a Hornets fan, you walk away from that game going, "What the hell happened, yeah. CJ Miles?" Yeah, yeah. So that no, that's a great that's a great point as well. All right, it's time for uh, the NBA picks. We've got Nick Denning joining us here on the Hive Talk Live Hotline. Uh, we do a Hornets lock, we do a league pass special, and we do a national TV game. Not much to choose from, gentlemen. This is a short week because of the All-Star weekend. So the Hornets lock for all three of us will be at Indiana because, as Nick put it, that's the only option. So, Nick, we go to you for your league pass special and your national TV treat. Right, so league pass special, I'm going Clippers um, against Boston. I'm taking Boston at home in this. The Clippers struggled last night against Philadelphia, and I mean, it's they ended up winning in overtime. I don't think, you know, they shouldn't have probably needed that. But you know, Boston is a, is a tough team, you know, to play against, especially at home. Um, you know, there's there's a, I, I think Boston could take the upset in this one. I guess you know, yeah, the upset. Um, and then national TV game going Pelicans uh, at, at Thunder. That's on Thursday. Um, New Orleans isn't exactly the team we thought they were going to be, but any time you get a chance to watch Anthony Davis, they're getting a little healthier. Drew Holiday had a big game, I think, last night. Um, so, you know, it, that might make it a little more interesting. But I'm taking the Thunder at home as well. I like that. And then we got the news from the Clippers that Blake Griffin suspended four games. Yeah. Whenever um, he comes back, right? Whenever he comes back. Plus, they, they are withholding, I think, a fifth game, a fifth injury game paycheck and donating all of that money to charity. So that's um, speaking of gross injuries. Do you see the picture of his hand over the weekend? Yeah, I saw. I, I've seen a picture. I don't think it was over the weekend. I think it was uh, maybe a week or so ago. Yeah, maybe I that's when it was. Yeah, it looks still looks pretty swollen. Yeah, it looked like it looks like you remember Stretch Armstrong when we were kids, and he had these like giant like ball hand balled up hands. Mm-hmm. That's what it looked like, Nick. It looked like Stretch Armstrong's fist. Uh, okay, with that, yeah, David, no what are your NBA no picks? Good. Uh, yeah, Hornets lock, as you said. Uh, only one to choose from there, so I'm with you guys on that one. Uh, Portland and Houston, Wednesday night, 10.30 ESPN, is my national TV treat. What do you call it? National TV treat. Treat, yeah. What's the league pass treat, right? Special, league pass All right, special. Okay. I'll get that right one day. It's called alliteration. We <laughs> use it in radio. <laughs> um, so Portland over Houston. I'm taking Portland in that game. It is in Portland. Uh, those two teams are, are, are have very similar records, actually, and Houston may be coming on a little bit. But 
I'm a big fan of the Rose Garden and the home court advantage that that gives Portland. So I'm going to take the Blazers in that one. Um, League pass special is going to be Boston over Milwaukee tonight. So you can rush home and and, and see that one. Um, I believe that one is in Milwaukee, but uh, I'm with you. The Boston Celtics are a scrappy. I mean, they're a good team. Um, So I think the Bucs have been kind of struggling all year, and I'll take Boston in that one. I like that matchup, too, because you have Boston. They play a little small, and their bigs like to float out to the three-point line. And Milwaukee plays, you know. But I think Milwaukee still has has some uh, has some guys that are fun to watch. Well, yeah, I mean, long athletic guys uh, that can get up and down the court. Antetokounmpo, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, it's good. I think it'll be a fun game for sure. All right, my picks are all on Wednesday, so you really want to open up your four game view on League Pass because you won't be able to watch all of these games. Uh, Hornets lock, obviously Pacers Wednesday, seven o'clock p.m. League Pass special. Atlanta at Chicago, mainly because there are so many rumors right now swirling around Atlanta. Will they trade Jeff Teague? That seems to be the the trade rumor of choice right now. And uh, you've got Chicago. Will they have Derrick Rose back for this game? You know, he was listed as out for the Hornets game with general body soreness. Welcome to the club, am I right? Am I right or am I right? I wish I could use that at work. Uh, sorry, I can't I can't come in today. Um, or why? Are you sick? Are you sick to your stuff? No, I, I have general body So I had general body soreness after that. I still the, have The it. morning after the Panthers' loss. And a lot of general body soreness. Mm. Uh, national TV game. You know, it's general body soreness. I think Thomas Davis probably. Which is grosser, Thomas Davis's arm or, or Blake Griffin's hand? Thomas Davis's arm. <laughs> Yeah, it, looked, it looked like, I mean, yeah, his arm for sure. I love that they immediately went, it looked like a football. That was yeah. that was an easy one. All right, national TV game for me. I'm going, uh, you'll like this one, Lakers Don't at oh Cavaliers. <laughs> I, okay, so I like Atlanta in the game, Atlanta at Chicago, and I like the Cavs in this one, obviously. But I think that, look, I'm <laughs> no serious. Kidding. I'm serious. The Lakers are playing like a legitimate basketball team. All of a sudden, they they we just made fun of Byron Scott for like five minutes. Well, the again, I think this is a coachless team. I think the players are like, look, we're just going to do this, and despite our coach, despite the fact that we have an insane person wearing a suit on the sideline trying to tell us what to do, and you know, I think Kobe should shadow coach this team. I think he should shadow coach this team. I don't know why he allows Byron to say the crazy ass things that Byron says. I don't think they even talk. I mean, yeah. So the Lakers again on, on another primetime game. So they that's just good. sneer at they one another. They just keep going. No, I like I like the Lakers at Cavs Wednesday eight o'clock p.m. I, I I check that one out for the the comedy factor. All right, let's talk about All Star Weekend. It's our really our last chance, David. You're you're wearing the NBA All Star hoodie, and right. you're a big All Star fan. I just wanted to ask you guys, what are you most looking forward to? Uh, with NBA All-Star Weekend coming uh, to Toronto? Um, I always look forward to, like, you know, the Rising Stars Challenge is always kind of fun. That kicks off the weekend. When we were talking about this earlier, Doug. I wish I could look forward to the dunk contest, but it's just it, – it's exasperating how how far it's sunk. And at this point, they when they only have four guys in there, I mean, no one wants to do it. It's, it's always – for some reason, it's still the last event of the night – it just—it's kind of a downer. I mean, maybe it would be cool. Zach Levine is is the one, is the one shining hope that you can still hold on to because he comes up with stuff that you you really still haven't seen before. So there, there's hope for that to be fun. Uh, but I think the three point contest with Clay and Steph and all those guys could could have some fireworks in it. But also, I think it's cool that it's in Toronto. Um, it's going to be negative one on Saturday. Excuse me. It's going to be the high is going to be one in yeah, Toronto a, on Saturday. That's a cool. And negative real, four. Real cool. super cool the coolest (laughs) but i think they will really appreciate it i think there'll be a lot of energy uh at all these events just because they're pumped to have it up there so i think it's a cool thing you got sting is the halftime you've got noted nba fan and just (laughs) staple at toronto game sting um right yeah uh nick what are you most looking forward to for all-star weekend you know i guess i'm kind of with you doug like are you in years past, I always seem to like only catch the, the dunk contest, and, and it's like, like you said, it's just never been that. It's just been more and more disappointing every year. 
I, if, if I can, if I can manage, I'd love to watch the skills challenge just because I think there's some interesting, you know, interesting yes. players in that competition this year. Aside from Jordan Clarkson, I won't go there. It should have been Kemba Walker. Yeah, that's neither here nor there. Um, but you know, the three point contest would be fun. It should be fun to watch. I mean, Steph's in it. You know, that's that's you know, can, like it, let's let's be honest. Like, is if he doesn't win it, like it's gonna be it's gonna be a, a, a news story. Like, if he doesn't win it, um, but you know, who knows? Um, so then, yeah, and then the Rising Star Challenge, just because it's another chance to watch Chris Stapps and watch Chris Stapps in like a, a more like a, just kind of a laid back, you know, fun, you know, type of game where he can just kind of do some of the crazy things he does during games. Yes, should be a great um, All Star game that, player. Yeah. If if Steph does not win the three point contest, will it really be a storyline? I don't know uh, because I and, think- and, well, we were t- so there's this report out that. Andrew Wiggins does not want to be in the dunk contest and go up against his teammate Zach Levine because because Wiggins lost the McDonald's All-American dunk contest in high school to who did I say Chris, Chris Walker from yeah. uh, who eventually went to uh, Florida and it, it was kind of a a junk loss Wiggins should have won it I watched the two dunks I watched Walker's winning dunk and Wiggins dunk he like kind of curls the ball back behind his back and then brings it back and it was it was just an awesome dunk and he he certainly did get cheated but I think so the report is that he has some sore feelings about that and he doesn't want to have that experience again in the dunk contest but I, I think there's a stigma to losing the dunk contest that doesn't exist for the three-point contest um, I do. I, I think I think Nick's right, though. I think anything Steph is involved in these these days, like if he doesn't win that, it's not going to be like a you know a, a groundbreaking story. But I think it is going to it is going to be news. He's expected to win. He's the best shooter the game's ever seen. You here's, know, so. here's why it won't be a, as big of a story. I'm sure certainly it would be a story, right? Okay. But it won't be a story that would keep him out of the contest and future contests because I think the thought process with people goes. Oh, he had an off shooting performance. I just don't think you have an off dunking performance, even though that's probably the reality. People don't think that way. When 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 guys miss a dunk, it ends up on Shacked and a fool. When guys miss a three, it means nothing. Right. I mean, yeah. if he goes and has an absolutely embarrassing performance, maybe. I, but even then, I'm thinking, oh well, you know, he was just off. You know, I'm looking at the schedule here, and first of all, I don't see any fashion show, so I guess they did away with that, which, I mean, I enjoyed it. It was high comedy last year. I don't know if you guys tuned in for the for the NBA fashion show. I did not. It was a total mess, <laughs> so I can't believe they got rid of it. But also, they don't have the, uh, I don't see the, uh, what's that thing they, they do when they have, like, you know, Dell was in it last year, the shooting stars, like, challenge or something, where they do the half-court shots. Yeah, they got the, rid the, of that. The, the rock and Because Bosch was dominating it. No one was going to be like They should have just renamed it the, the Chris Bosch from downtown contest. That was fun. Anytime somebody's shooting from half-court when there's stakes, you know, I, I enjoyed that. So... Yeah. Well, they so. tried, you know, they tried horse. Hey, I, I, they tried horse a few years ago. Outdoor and, horse. And that didn't work. Yeah. Maybe so they're I don't trying know, to street I don't know why. I got to... Yeah, Nick. I was going to say, I've got a trivia question for you, because, you know, look, you know, I mentioned Steph, but, you know, the last time that somebody's won the dunk or won three-point contest two years in a row was 2008. Yeah, 2008. Do you know who that player was? He briefly played for the Charlotte Bobcats. Capono? Chase Capono. Ah. Oh. Capono, yep. Uh, they were talking about Capono <laughs> on ESPN 730 today, and it perked, it perked my ears. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Nick, I think you're right, though. You're all over the skills challenge because they got the big guys in it this year. So that's yeah. going to be fun. Yeah. Okay. I could. That's I could, going to be fun. I could get on board with that. Boogie. Yeah, okay, like Jordan Clarkson's a nice player, but how did, how did, how did he <laughs> – what have the Lakers done to really – look, Kobe's <laughs> there. Do we Do we need someone else from the Lakers to be there? Do you think that they should institute some kind of one player from each team, similar to what they do in baseball, to get every because like the, there. there are zero Hornets yeah. involved in the All Star? I think so. I, I think there really yeah. should be some kind of representation from every team. Yeah, 
maybe. I don't know. You, you're a purist. You're like, no, that can't happen. I don't know. I mean, maybe. Um, I mean, the it, thing is, there's there's so little, like these these events keep dying off because of lack of interest. And I, I think you get people interested by having a good cross section of, of your entire league. I think it's just a detriment to your league if you don't have, I'm not talking about the all-star game. Yeah. You have to have one player from everyone in the all-star game. I there's think not enough. There's not enough roster spots. Maybe, maybe you hope to fill that out with like the well, the, it used to be the rookie game, rookie sophomore game, because you would theoretically have younger guys from teams that aren't as good, but you could still have some representation. Um, yeah, but that's kind of gone by the way. I mean, yeah, you know, we're just obviously we're, we're kind of ticked that either Kimba's not in the skills challenge. I thought that was a perfect spot for him, but didn't happen that way. Well, we'll all be watching All-Star Weekend coming up. We'll talk more about it next Tuesday, some of our reactions to the events, and we'll certainly uh, uh, enlist David's help because I'm, I'm sure he'll be uh, ignoring his entire family for the entire weekend. We're having a party, it. another party, <laughs> second week in a row. Awesome. Thanks, Nick, for, uh, for all the insight, buddy. Thank you. All right, that'll do it for us, folks. Uh, thanks so much to uh, Nick, and uh, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. At Hive Talk Live for live game updates and more. Go to atthehive.com for all the latest news and analysis on your Charlotte Hornets. We will be back on Thursday for Hive Talk Live. Thursdays brought to you by ESPN 730. And make sure to catch us Sunday on Good Day Charlotte at 830 a.m. For David, Nick, and producer Katie, I'm Doug saying stay bought in, stay believing. All hail the teal and purple.